I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town Podcast. Rochester? Well, why Rochester? Chris Lindstrom was a hoot. He was just so much fun. He never stopped talking. I mean, it was great. Party down? Yes! Take it from me, an inveterate snob. (laughs) That's it! Stinks! It stinks! It stinks! And we don't need any characters around to give the joint atmosphere, is that clear? Because I'm a pro. That's what pros do. I'm a professional. Look it up in the book. What do you say? Enough. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And we are back with another episode of the Food About Town podcast. We've got a classic radio-style intro, and sitting across from me is a classic radio-style guy. Well, separated by a few years anyways. Um, Guest, why don't you introduce yourself? How's it going? My name's Paulie Guglielmo, ex-radio guy in Rochester. It's been three years, though, I've been out. Oh, my God, man. I, I remember the first time... You know, I think it was a little while ago. I'm not even sure we even posted it because it was like we were having technical difficulties and stuff during the heart of, you know, the initial part of the pandemic. You and I did a remote episode. Yes, yes, yes. And we were talking about all that stuff, but it's it's so interesting that, like, I'm sitting across from somebody who spent so much time in radio, <laughs> and I recently made that intro yeah. because of my love of radio. I was really going after that, like, 90s, like, mid-90s, like uh, you know, morning zoo style Don and Mike intro with all the clips. Yeah, like that's a hundred percent what I was going after. I'm like, man, I don't know if Paulie's heard that. I hope he enjoys it because I, I put a lot into that. It was I've heard it. I don't think I've ever missed an episode of your podcast. I've heard it. No, and it's fun. I yeah. just love doing that because I really wanted it to feel like that classic radio yeah. thing. Well, if I could just say, when yes. you and I first met, I had a radio studio at my disposal. Yeah, and you had you know like a table with like a laptop. Yeah. Now you have you've built yourself a studio in your home that is nicer than any of the studios I ever worked in in real radio. Yeah, and I record my podcast into my cell phone. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like you know what? After all this time, um, you've overtaken me quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit, by quite a bit. Is well, what it's, I'm saying. it's so weird. Like you know, you spend all that time, and now all you want is the leanest thing possible. Yeah. You want no, you want nothing. Like I've got, you know, I've got the board. I've got you know, four permanent mics sitting here and everything like that. Um, and assuming I ever get around to doing the social media stuff around this, um, you know, we, we put a lot of work into it and we're, we're really trying to build out something fun here in Rochester with the lunch at our podcast network and what we're doing with that. And it's, you know, we've been doing a lot of planning and a lot of work and we're really hoping to build something that's for everybody yeah. here in town. And this is the start of it. The mic that you're talking into, that's, yeah. that's legit. That's, that's one of the radio mics. Yeah. This, so this that's is what the, we used to talk into. Yeah. This is the road procaster. Okay. So this one's got that, you know, luster to it. Yeah. Like yeah. the pod and, mics that you're sitting at sound great. Super clean. Yeah. But your sounds just a little better. That's a radio <laughs> trick. That's a radio trick. Listen, I'll tell you so. I don't think this has ever come up before, Yeah. but uh, uh, 10 years I was producer of the Wee show. Yeah. Weez's mic was just a touch hotter than every other mic on oh, yeah. purpose. Oh yeah, and mine mine comes out like super rich mm-hmm. like all the way through and I I like some of the ones like if somebody shows up that has like oh they're talking a little quiet I'll turn on their bass boost and yeah. do all that stuff. But this one has that richness to it. You know, that's got oh, that yeah. ooh, that little <laughs> bit of something that just sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I got this originally to try to do like, you know, mess around with VO work and stuff, but realistically i love having this here and i so i am separate from everybody else 
But that's the point. I'm the host. I'm not the star. You're the, no, you're, you're the star. You're the, ho- it's the, it, you're the host and the star. And, you know, there's little tricks like that. Like the mic thing. I wasn't kidding. His mic was a little hotter. <laughs> the other thing is I had a button that would turn off everything other than his mic also. Oh, nice. So, like, another little radio trick. And some, unfortunately, some radio people would use this in a dirty way, which I'll explain in a second. But yeah. let's say you're on the phone with a phone caller and a caller is difficult because sometimes you just end up talking over each other. It's just, you ever been in one of those conversations where you just can't stop talking over each other? Yes. <laughs> that would happen sometimes. And so the trick was you just turn them off. So yeah. we would get his thought out. Then I would pot them back on <laughs> and, and it could sound okay. But the reason that I, I say that some radio hosts would use that in dirty ways on the political shows, yeah, you know, the caller would call in and go, ah, it's a terrible point and here's my point. And then the host would just turn off their, their phone yeah. and just make their point. And then at the end they would go, what do you say to that, Chris? Yeah. Thanks for calling. <laughs> yeah. Pre- appreciate you joining. Yeah. And you then, always, you get the point. You get the exclamation point at the end. Yeah. You get the yeah. thing. Thanks for calling. We're going to blow you up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, it's so hacky. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, so after all this time, we're having you over to the studio, get to check stuff out. And part of what I wanted to talk about today is... Um, you know, I'm a, I've been listening to your show, Paul Guglielmo show. Thank you. you can find it wherever you find your quality podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been listening to it for a while and you know, in the last few months, uh, you've been doing a lot of, you know, solo talk, a lot of mm-hmm. your own shows, you know, really going through, you know, where you are both personally, professionally, fun stories, serious stories. And it's been really interesting. And I kind of wanted to talk through some of the some of the business stuff, we're going to take an infinite amount of tangents. So don't take this as like now a serious business interview kind of thing. <laughs> but I, I was kind of intrigued because, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, you know, over text and you've talked about it on the podcast. And I kind of wanted to understand where the business is right now. And for those that aren't aware, uh, you might have seen Polly Sauce, Guglielmo Sauce. Find it wherever you find quality sauces in and around Rochester at grocery stores and such. So nice you go into pitch mode. I love that. I love when you say that. <laughs> Especially because um, sometimes when it, whenever it comes up and you're put on the spot, you like yeah. his sauces, you're like, I've had them. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't use it every day because I don't cook Italian. Yeah. But well, I, you're gonna make you're the guy that's gonna make your own sauce. Oh, too. I do. But yeah. like yeah. I do have it in my cabinet. Ooh. And it's something that I do yeah. use and recommend. Yeah. Uh, especially so my go-to's been the spicy chunky veggie because I'm I'm one of those pain in the ass vegans, so I have to yeah. find that side of things. Yeah. Because some of your other ones got you know got some extra in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they got that extra in there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Um but for me, like that one was always been super balanced. It's a great start. Like for me, I'll, I'll add a little bit of savory, a little bit of salt to it, mm-hmm. but that's because I'm a salt monster, regardless of what my doctor says about my high <laughs> blood pressure. <laughs> Even you go vegan and your doctor's still giving you shit over salt. Oh God. I am at, I am now on, so I'm on ADHD meds. Uh-huh. So I just started that a couple months ago, like yeah. three months ago yeah. um, after dealing with it, like for my entire life. So I started that. So like I'm on, you know, I'm on an upper now all day. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we're going to pay more attention to this again because I started taking pills a while ago. You know, oh, I have to take care of myself. And it's that that's like it's one of the hard things to do when you're doing everything is like taking a step back and like, oh, I have to take care of me, too. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm hoping to get there eventually. <laughs> I'm hoping to figure that out. Well, it's not easy, right? <laughs> it's it's not, and it's unfortunate because it's a it's my vice. You know, food is kind of my vice. Just overeating and eating crap I shouldn't be eating is just like how I deal with my stress. Oh yeah, it's not good. You know, and every emotion 
is just if I'm sad, I eat. If I'm happy, I eat. If I'm angry, I eat. It's just not good. You know, it's overall terrible. So. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things like we're all this stuff is going on all the time. And like I've been working on my processes, trying to improve things with everything I'm involved in. And I'm hearing a lot of that from you on the mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. talking about the business. So like I said, uh, Google ammo sauces might, might be how, you know, you know, Paulie's products that are on the shelf, but if you haven't been following, you know, his social media or his company's social media, you might not know that that is only a portion of what he does now, um, which is operating a Copac facility. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Google Amazon sauce started in 2014, actually August 9th, which we're recording this prior to August 9th will be our nine year anniversary wow. of launching. Yeah. With 15 cases of sauce at the Riesling festival on the pier in Cannon day. Look at that. I remember driving there thinking one, one ca- my aunt and mom and dad had come and like my a couple of cousins had come to help. And I remember thinking, I know they'll each buy a jar <laughs> and I know my mom will probably buy a couple yeah. jars because yeah. she'll want one to keep. Who's going to buy the other 14 cases. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking that on the way out there, just being so nervous. And it was crazy. The first couple of people who walked up to my booth and like bought a jar of sauce. It's almost like they would hand me money and I'd be like, seriously. Yeah. You, you need me money for this. Wow. Like it was blew my mind. And that's almost nine years ago. I was still in radio, which means I still had my full-time job, and I just hustled. I spent a few years there. For those first few years, it was me and my wife, and that was it. And it was me driving around every afternoon with a trunk full of sauce, delivering to local mom and pops, pitching to local mom and pops, constantly being rejected, but, you know, getting the occasional yes, just enough to keep you going. Well, there's something there's something about that, like, after work hustle, yeah. which is where I'm at right now. Everything I'm doing is, yeah. you know, the after work the after work grind, yeah. But there's something there's, there's some, something, something about to it. it. I mean, I was um, you know, I was working in morning radio, so I was getting out of work at around lunchtime. So it actually gave me an advantage because this driving around that I'm doing is happening at one o'clock, two o'clock, three in the clock in the afternoon. So when I would go into mom and pops, I was often finding a decision maker because there's a lot of stores. If you walk in at seven o'clock at night, they might be open, but the decision maker is long gone. You know, there. Well, and it's and it's prime. It's the time where there's not that much going on. Yeah, too. yeah. Like it makes you. St- even if you didn't know it, it makes you look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, two to o'clock. show up at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. Like if I have the chance to go visit restaurants at two or three o'clock, yeah, that's when I go because it makes you look like you know what you're doing, regardless if you do or not. Yeah, it makes you look like oh, I care about your time totally, and you're showing up when they're available, even though you didn't know that. Yeah, and stores are similar to restaurants in that they they get rushes at similar times, lunch rushes, dinner rushes, but like two three o'clock is sort of a downtime. Yeah. for everybody, and so it's the it's the perfect time. And, uh, and so I, I just, I drove around and I pitched and pitched and pitched. And before that, you know, I was going home after work and just like sitting on the couch and playing Xbox and watching TV. And, and it was just, wasn't living the life I wanted to live. I wanted to do more. So I do that for a bunch of years and I kind of build Google Amo sauce into something. And finally, after a few years, we become profitable. And once we become profitable, I guess the good thing is that I invest money in um, a van, a delivery van, and an employee, a delivery driver. And that gave me the ability to just sell, and someone else was going to drive around and do deliveries. Did you get one of those city vans, if I remember correctly? Um, it's a it's a Ram Promaster. I still have the van. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, my wife bought one of the Transit Connects. Yeah, yeah. And, man, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where you say, oh, we got all the storage. It's the little things that start to matter when you're moving that much product around. Mm-hmm. The lower to the ground loading point. Yeah. I'm sure you notice as soon as you got to like, oh man, it's so much easier to load things. I can load twice as much in half the time because 
it's built for what I needed it for. Yeah. Just having the space. I mean, before that, it was a Kia Sorento Ooh, that yeah, I was driving rough. around. And I started doing, you know, as I mentioned, farmer's markets and festivals. And so I'm stuffing a, a tent, weights, all these decorations. And I mean, I just have that thing packed to the brim. It wasn't safe, you know? Ooh. It wasn't safe. So getting that van eventually just changed the game. So for like a year or two... There's just, I'm just kind of reinvesting. And then at that point too, like we're doing, as I mentioned, all these events, farmers markets and festivals. And I finally bought a nicer setup. You know, I bought a custom tent that looked beautiful because Mm -hmm. most of the tents are just generic pop-up white tents. And I thought we can really stand apart if we have a good looking setup. So I finally invested in that and it's a few thousand dollars, but that's a lot of money, you know? So, um, so a few more years go by and it's like 2019, 2020, and it starts to get to the point where the side hustle is actually becoming sort of more lucrative than the actual job. Yeah. Now that's not necessarily because the side hustle was so successful. That's because the actual job paid like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Radio for anybody who doesn't know, you know, the, the top, I think maybe the top handful of names are getting pretty good livings out yeah, of they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Not even all the hosts, mm-hmm. like some of the hosts. Yeah, not even all the hosts. No, no, there's a few morning show hosts in this town right now that do not make the money you think they do. Right. Small handful of them do. Um, there was a joke I used, I think, during the John DeTulio roast a couple of months ago at the comedy at the Carlson. And it was, um, if I can remember right, it was, why Why was I so disgruntled when I worked at radio? Let me explain. It's because uh, uh, I had to start a side hustle to make enough money to to survive. Uh, Billy DeTore, the other producer on the show, was uh, technically living under the poverty level. Deanna King worked from home because of the gas money to go from Batavia to Rochester. And Brother Wheeze had homes in Fort Lauderdale, (laughs) Sodus Point, and Webster. (laughs) In case you're wondering why. Yeah. I started to get pissed off at the end. No, it's it's a tough thing. And when when you've got that... Regardless of the amount of work and the drama and the stress for doing your own thing, it's still your own thing and everything, you know, you can bring that positivity because you knew what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So 2019, sort of late 2019, I'm in a situation now where a lot of people are starting to ask me are you going to ever leave radio and go full-time into the sauce? Um, also, people are asking me, are you ever going to get your own radio show? Seems like it's been a long time. And I would keep explaining to people, probably that happened probably for two years or so, 18 and 19, where I would say to people, I'd say, I feel like I've got this, I feel like I've got two pots on the stove and both of them are kind of simmering and, and I'm waiting for one of them to boil and I don't know which one's going to boil. Well, a combination of two things happened. The sauce pot started boiling and the other pot got a bunch of cold water dumped all into it. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, in t- late 2019, I got this notice essentially that I was being moved off of the Wii's show onto another show. And uh, once I got the details of what that show was, it was just, hur- I was not interested. Wasn't a good fit for you. It was not a good fit. It was going to be music radio. And it was one of those things where the jock talks for four minutes. And at this point, I've been in radio for, at that point, it had been almost 15 years. And I know how this story ends, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be responsible for four minutes out of 60. They're going to play the same music over and over. They're going to play 10 minutes worth of commercials at a time. And at the end, if the ratings aren't good, they're going to say it's my fault because my four minutes out of the 60 weren't stellar, you yeah. know? And that's just terrible. I just thought that was terrible. So I argued that and argued that. And I and honestly, at the end, I can't believe I didn't get fired towards the end of my time in radio because I started to become a terrible employee. Oh, yeah. I really did because I was just speaking up about that kind of stuff. Just 
and I just wasn't being listened to or being heard. And well, facts are facts, right? I mean, like, you know, for people who love radio, right. And I think regardless of anything else, I think we can both say that like the concept Ooh. of radio, the concept, and it's the reason why we both do podcasts, right? It's not yeah. because, not because it's lucrative for what we do. It's because we can't not do it. We have like, yeah, having that outlet, having the opportunity to do this, there's nothing like sitting down even if it's just you behind a microphone or you're interviewing somebody, there's nothing quite like sitting down and doing this, doing the thing. Yeah. Like that's why we still do it. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not for any other reason other than when you sit down, now it's a show. Yeah. Now it's a thing. And your mind starts to sparkle. Yeah. It's just, it's just a blast. And we're creating this whole thing. Yeah. Everything here right now is we're creating this. Whereas with music radio, you know, anybody can pay some royalty money and start playing Lady Gaga, you know? And, and so it was, it was frustrating and it lasted about four months until January when for some weird reason they laid off both my co-host and my boss. <laughs> Great timing. Yeah. And then they told, and then I just assumed I was being laid off. I got the, I had left that day kind of early. Like we got off the air at 11 or something and I left at like 1101 that day. Cause again, terrible employee towards the end, just like not giving you even more than one minute than, than you're paying me for at yeah. this point. Because I was just, I, I had given years of extra time. I mean, I had given years where if I figured out what my hourly rate was, it was oh, well below minimum wage. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be really depressing. <clears throat> I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, where you're kind of just busting your ass and you're waiting for this thing to happen for you. And it kind of wasn't. So anyway, so um, then what happened was uh, it, they laid them off and I said, great. Oh, great. Oh my God. D yes. This is what we're talking about. Now I'm the only one left and I'm going to just take this and make it my own. And then I was told, mm, no, that's that's not the plan either. Actually, we're canning all local talent on music stations. Yeah, Local talent will now only be allocated to talk radio, which actually makes sense overall for the business. It does. Uh, except for the fact that three days later, they announced that the new morning show host on that music station would be the mayor, Pete Kennedy. And I went, <laughs> um, I think he's local. I see him in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure you just told me you're not doing that. And my boss's answer was, oh, I didn't realize you were told that. You shouldn't have been told that. You shouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, do you guys that, even know what you're doing? You that's know? such a classic radio nickname, oh, by the way, God. the mayor. The mayor, Pete Kennedy. I mean, that, that's so like, that's so classic. Like, oh, you know, you know, hey, the mayor presiding over this episode, <laughs> presiding over this nonstop hour of classic hits. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It was, it was raw. It wasn't quite as raw as the time, though, that I found out that I lost my job live on the air. <laughs> uh, so a couple years earlier, <laughs> we're on the Weiss show and they cart in Kimberly and Beck. Remember those two winners? Of course. Well, they cart in Kimberly and Beck on the Weiss show live. And they're like, look who we've hired. And this is truly Live. I mean, this is like Weez is finding out with a live mic open to the radio that Kimberly and Beck, his arch nemesis, who he hates, yeah. have now been hired onto this radio station. And they bring with them Raph. Remember Raphael? Uh, he was on PXY forever. Oh, see, I, I didn't get to a lot of music radio. I'm, I've been a talk guy forever. Yeah, no. So Raph is this, he was a jock who was, at the time he was on PXY. Okay. Which was the other place, you know, the other side yeah. of the street. And Kimberly Beck and Raph walk in, and Raph um, is standing in the corner, and Weez talks to Kimberly and Beck for a couple minutes. He turns to Raph, and he goes, what about you, bro? Y you the producer? And he leans into a microphone, and he goes, no, I actually was hired to do Afternoons on Kiss. Well, in that moment... Uh, I was doing afternoons on kiss <laughs> and nobody had ever told me never underestimate a large company's 
ability to not communicate oh, yeah. with each other. Well, there, there's something, there's something <laughs> that kind of communication, you know, when everything's a well-oiled machine, right? Everybody knows what's going on. They're invested in what they're doing. You're getting clear communication. Here's your path. Here's where you're going. <laughs> yeah. And on the opposite side is the only people that know the information are the ones who are going to drop the hammer at any moment yeah. on anybody they want. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was fun. You know? Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> I want to just sound like I'm sitting here bitching. It was a really good time. I enjoyed my time in radio very much. Yeah, but it ended not so not so fantastically. But ending not fantastically. But you're quickly pivoting towards you know the sauce is really progressing. You've done all the base work oh, yeah. to hey, this is now an established name in Rochester. We've got sauce that people really like and want. This is now an established thing. And now's the time to think about what's next. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I'll give you one, just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Or do I? Or am I sounding just too negative? Oh, whatever. Right? I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Maybe I'm just sounding we, too negative. I'm sorry. It's it is part of the story. <laughs> Unfortunately, like we're we're getting past the negativity to get to yes. What is a really positive story? <laughs> yes. Okay. So the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back was um, after that thing where they lay off my partner and my boss and they announce no more local, but actually it is still going to be local. Just Paulie, we just need you to go do something else. Yeah. They say, um, we would like for you to be Kimberly and Beck's producer. I did not want that job whatsoever. No interest. And so, um, I was still going to go into the Wii show for one hour every morning just to do my live reads because it's the whole reason I didn't get laid off was because I had endorsements. So yeah. it was worth some money to them. And the very first time I'm back, Wheeze says into my headphones, he goes, bro, it's not working out around here for me with these producers. They keep shuffling in. You want to come back to the Wheeze show, bro? I feel bad. I feel bad. But bro, you come back. I swear to God, I feel bad. If you don't, if you want to say no, you say no. And I went, Wheeze, I can't even tell you. Yes, absolutely. I will. I have no, I'm not worried about it looking like a step backwards. I don't care. This is where I feel like I'm home. I'm in. He goes, great, bro. Great. Okay, good, good. I'll call the bosses after the show. After the show, he calls the bosses, calls me, and he goes, bro, they said no. I go, what? <laughs> yeah. And so well, then I called my boss, and I was like, it, no, I'm fine with it. And he and he wants me to come back. I have experience. I've been doing it for 10 years. What are you talking about? No. And they're like, no, Kimberly and Beck need a producer, and we need you to be their producer. And I just... I went, okay. And I just went, well, I, I'm le you know, I guess I'm leaving. And that was just a big moment. You know, it makes me want to cry even now still thinking about it well, because yeah. I knew that in the, after I hung up the phone, I just knew that was it. That was the straw that broke the camera. Well, but, but after, so after all that, right. So we, we've gone through this whole journey of like, you really care about what you're doing you can hear it, right? Yeah. You can hear it, you know, even, even when you're a professional and you're doing the stuff or you're doing the recording, people know when somebody cares about something. Yeah. Right. It's obvious. Like even I've heard this story told in many different ways for you over time. Oh, have I told it that many times? I've I'm heard sorry. it, but I, I remember sorry. everything. I'm sorry. But I remember everything. But for like realistically, <laughs> but there's no time when I've heard it that wasn't told with real enthusiasm because after all this time, it still matters. It still matters. It still hurts me because I really, I really, really loved doing that, you know? Um, but like you said, it led to what has now turned out to be the greatest thing ever because yeah. around that time, around the time that I, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, I finally said, okay, that's it. It's, it's going to be full time into the sauce, but the sauce itself, Google Amazon sauce itself wasn't really lucrative enough to support me. It was about the same salary I was making in radio, which was not a good salary. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot of money. So, um, so I'm going, okay, it's not quite 
going to work just to do Google Amazon. So what do I want to do? And then we looked at a thousand options. When I say we, it was really me talking to my wife for a week or two and everything was on the table. We're going to open a restaurant. Are we going to become a distributor, like buy trucks? And, and it had occurred to me that I'm part of this supply chain, sure. you know, from the farmer to the retailer, that there's all these different stops and that it would make sense for me to try to, to o- overtake one of the other steps in the supply chain. And so um, I looked at what was right next to me. As the brand owner, I had manufacturing on one side and I had distribution on the other side. And so those were the two that quickly became the most realistic ideas. And um, distribution just wasn't really in my forte. It's just not, I don't know anything about trucks. I don't know how to, I guess, I mean, it's seems like you can maybe figure out how to deliver sauce you can buy a truck you can buy a right. truck you you i mean i've seen it like you pulled in you bought a truck yeah like you yeah. bought a truck you bought a van i've seen you buy vehicles yeah but you can buy a, vehicle. I can buy a truck i guess <laughs> i believe in you i know you can buy one but i didn't really i didn't see it quite as clearly now on the yeah. other hand manufacturing was interesting because from day one i always put my cell phone number on every jar of sauce and i would get a lot after a few years a lot of phone calls from people who would say Hey, I got your phone number and uh, I'm interested in, you know, I've got this salad dressing my family's been making forever, this barbecue sauce, this meat sauce, whatever it is. And I started to realize, man, I am getting a couple of these a week. That might be, that might be where the business is. Maybe the business is in helping these people. And I could do that by manufacturing because small co-packers are not easy to come by. There's not a lot of us out there. Yeah, it's either huge where the volumes are obscene and yeah. like even like for what your volume is, which is pretty significant for, you know, a, a medium-sized city. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like it's a decent amount of volume. Like they won't even talk to you at some point. No, no, totally. No, and just a, and I'm not afraid to put it out there. Our volume per day is about 600 gallons. We, we make about 600 gallons of product a day. Of your sauce. Uh, not just my sauce. No, no. So I'm a co-packer. So we make, so 600 gallons of whatever we're making. That okay. Day. Yeah. So it's not just mine. And on day one, I was our biggest client. And yeah. today I don't, I, I think maybe top five still, but not even close to our biggest client anymore, um, which is great. Uh, you know, for the overall business, that's certainly great. <laughs> but so uh, basically, and I'm, I'm sorry, this is all serious and all businessy, but, no, no, but you this... caught me on a Sunday afternoon and I'm very relaxed right yeah. now. So this is like, oh, and we're, we're also enjoying, I'd say my number one favorite beer in the world. Hetty Topper from the Alchemist in Vermont took it's a delicious. side trip. Yeah. When it's still my absolute favorite. It's absolutely delicious. So Thank good, you. right? Thank you for the treat. You said you had to, you have to often have to wait in line for that. Oh yeah. So yeah. back in the day, this was like a two hour line wait at a beer store and now after all these years you can go up to the brewery and buy as much as you want and it's still $13 for a four pack after all these years still $13 for four no inflation in the beer industry no No? they I mean there has been in the aggregate and a lot of it's justifiable and most of it's justifiable but I can walk up and buy a four pack of this for $13 at the brewery and it's like Wow, this feels feels like a throwback. Yeah, yeah, that's a steal. But it's it's a thing, and it's like you know, when somebody has that has that recipe in their head for a beer, like they want everybody to have it, and they want everybody to buy it at the price they're comfortable selling it. Yeah, and they're continuing to sell it at that price after this time. But I mean, wait a second, this is a transition. I'm, I'm. do you see the cyclical little transition I was doing there? I love it. Did you see where it was going? Yes. It's like, oh, they got the recipe. They're going here. But, you know, other people come up with recipes. They have to figure out how to sell the stuff, how to create it, how to figure out their price point. And that's where you're starting to step in. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I would man, say so. Man, what a fucking transition! That's so good. That's a professional so good. transition. Should we just take a second and talk oh, about like so good. Oh, we could just nerd out about so how good when it. I did when I did uh, I was doing a grill. This it was with uh, Jim Salmon and Matt uh, Matthew T Wilson. Yep. Uh, the Steve, the T stands for tremendous. Really nice guy. So I did I did their show, and when I'm a guest on a show, I'm a terror. <laughs> I'm a terror because the whole time I could see where he was going with the commercial transition. I went to it and I did it for him before he got yeah. there. Because I'm like, and there's the transition to the commercials. What about those tipsy lights? Because I know his commercials. And I'm doing that the whole time because, like, I'm there. Like, hey, you want me there? I'm just going to be there. I'm going to go full out the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And it's so much fun. That's what you ever. I love doing that. Every once in a while, you just don't have a transition. You have to transition, so you just go. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Fatty Beer Company coasters, but we have them here. Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, so we're gonna go into the reads in a minute for their for the mid roll reads. Uh-huh. Um, but so we're uh, we're we're gonna finish off with talking about um. Talk about craft cannery for a second. So, so yeah. we've got the business that gets established. Um, throw out the plugs for that, and then we're going to go back and tell the rest of the story after the commercials. Yeah, so um, I, I can kind of wrap the story here because I can tell you what happens. We become a manufacturer, and I have to learn what I'm doing. And it figure, and it basically we figure out we've got three niches, three types of clients. Client number one is somebody who has a dollar and a dream. This is just somebody like I described. Hey, I've had the, my uncle's barbecue sauce recipe in the family for years, and we've always wanted to bottle it. And that's client number one. Client number two is a restaurant. Uh, and for them, we can do two things. Food service packaging, so bulk packaging. And they like that because now they don't have to pay someone every day to come in and make a few gallons of sauce. They can just get it from us made in bulk. And the other thing we do for restaurants is rest, every restaurant you've ever walked into is famous. They've got a couple of sauces that they're famous for. And, uh, and so we can help them, give them an extra touch point, extend their brand. Now they're in grocery stores. The third type of client then is going to be sort of larger retailers, a larger brands, brands you've definitely heard of who have niche products that they can't get their current co-packers to do. A good example of that could be a, a, a large grocery chain. Um, sure, their, their pasta sauces, maybe those are going to get made at a giant plant. But if they wanted to do something special, like a dipping oil, for example, that wouldn't necessarily do the volume that that large plant's interested in, they're looking for somebody like us, our volume. So right. those were our three clients. Yeah, because they might make the red sauce, but the caponata that they want to sell, and they know, but they want to start, they want to have a full selection on the shelves. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we identify three clients, and honestly, I start targeting them, and we're kind of off to the races. We've grown that business uh, six times over what it was in 2020. Wow, yeah. and that, that's really something. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about what's the current state, where are things going, and like where are you personally with that? Because that, that's a really what I wanted to get to today is where are you personally with being now not the startup? So we're going to be right back with more. If you want to learn all about the diverse foods of Rochester and Buffalo and don't want to do the work, Nominate is made for you. Nominate runs events where you order a meal that feeds two people, packaged to go for $40, but the twist is you have no idea what you're getting until you pick it up. Each meal comes from one typically small minority-owned restaurant. We work with them to select dishes that best represent their cuisine and make sure you have a fun experience. We host events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester in the neighborhood of play, the new home of Black Button Distilling on University Avenue, and in Buffalo at the fantastic Nowhere Lounge located in the heart of Kenmore. 
drink pairings are available for sale at each event that work well with the food. Follow us on social media at Nominate Meals and go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Join the nomination. And we're back with the second half of our discussion with Polly Guglielmo, the owner of Craft Cannery in scenic Bergen, New York. Yes. The, uh, the proprietor of Guglielmo Sauce. Find it wherever you find quality sauces here in Rochester. And we left off talking about, you know, Craft Cannery, where it's at. And in the break, Polly asked me a question that I thought we needed to record. So what was the question? <laughs> I feel like it's a stupid question. <laughs> so what's the question? I said, can I put a breaded chicken cutlet on the grill? And what was my answer? No. <laughs> well, it was yes. It was maybe, but was, why? <laughs> so so what? So here, here's the thing. So I wasn't humoring you, yeah, positive. but I kind of was humoring you. Yeah, it was, uh, what do they call it, when, I, when my son does something, like when my son draws on the... <laughs> wall and i have to be like it's great that you're drawing just not on the wall please i was like i i like the creativity i like the idea my first question is you know charcoal or gas yeah because my first thought is well if it's a charcoal grill and you have a hot zone and a cool zone and you want to get some of that smoky flavor in there you put it on the cool side of the grill and you're grilling burgers on the other side and you get some of that Yo, charcoal smoke yeah. on there. That sounds great. That'd be fun. He's like, now it's gas. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So well, here's what I would do in that situation. And it's like, he's like, is it worth it? I'm like, no, it's not yeah, worth it. Don't do it. You're it's burning bread. It. You yeah. could do it. I, I said, uh, my, so we're, we're grilling. We're doing like grilled chicken sandwiches for dinner. Yeah. And I just kind of want like a chicken cutlet, like a, like a fried chicken cutlet sandwich, not a grilled chicken sandwich. Well, I like how our first instinct is like, <laughs> you know what I need? We really need to add some fried bread to that sandwich yeah. that has bread and meat in it. We need to add some fried bread to that situation. Yeah. Yeah. My wife won't be a fan of me. I think I'm just having a grilled chicken sandwich. <laughs> now, I think that's what's happening. Yeah. So I, I, so we left the break. I have shamed Polly for his ideas and his whole <laughs> continence about things. Um, and yeah. now we're going to go into vulnerable discussion about business. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh God. Yes. So, so you're, you've got the business, you're ramped up, and you're working with a ton of brands. Some are named, some are not, uh, due yeah. to you know confidentiality, things like that. But you work with a lot of brands that people know now. And the shelves in many stores in Rochester have a significant amount of stuff that comes out of your establishment. Yep. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and you know, and we, we bought a bottling line. Um, we're running about 24 bottles a minute now. Um, at the beginning, we were literally just hand pouring a bottle, you Which know, the bottles. Crazy. So like three bottles a minute, you right. know what I mean? Like if even, so it's really just a whole different level, which is awesome. It's awesome. And, and somebody explained to me pretty early on that what I've entered is called second stage entrepreneurship, yeah. which is when you go from just muscling the business, putting everything on your back and doing it all yourself, you kind of reach a point where now <laughs> you reach a point where now your job is equally as important, but yeah. it is to put the right people and the right processes in place so that your business, so that you can go and continue to grow your business while the actual work is being done. And, uh, and, and that was still how I spent the last couple of years was trying to get that done. And still to this day, trying to get that done. Well, and I yeah. gotta say, like for me personally, I've, you know, I've, like I said, I'm a regular listener to the podcast. I've listened to every episode that's come out since you put it out. Thank you. I love you. And for me, a lot of that stuff, when you started really getting into like, you know, I know the big things are the storytelling and that kind of stuff and the big interviews and all those, those little anecdotes, you know, because they're so personal, they mean something to me because 
I've known you for a while. Yeah. Like we don't spend a ton of time together, but had yeah. we spent more time together, we'd be pretty close, right? Because yeah. we're I love got, hanging out with you. It feels it's a, good it's just a blast. To hang out with you. But yeah. like, you know, it's hard. We're all we're crazy busy. We're all busy. Yeah. And all that stuff. But I feel like when I'm listening to that, I'm really getting to know you. And through those stories of I'm I'm working through how to do this. And it's echoing a lot of the stuff that I'm personally doing right now. Yeah. Trying to learn how to distribute more tasks, how to do that stuff where I can be, you know, the person who's got the ideas and the person who's driving and still making the big connections, but not everything needs to be me. And I'm struggling with, it. and it's hard and learning how to do that. And I've been really enjoying listening to you talk about that because it's, I think it's helpful and approachable when somebody locals doing that, when you hear yeah. the giant corporation person saying, Oh man, it was really hard. I'm like, you're worth $500 million. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you have to say at this point. And I know I should still listen to that, but it's hard for me to yeah. think that they still feel it. Yeah. Because they're saying the story because that's their story, but they don't feel it. Yeah. Because right. You're in this, you're still in the feeling part of this where every little thing still is hitting you as a person, not part of your history. No. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm like, you know, I have a production staff, right? Yeah. I have 14 at this point, 14 total people. Some of them are part-time um, promotion employees and uh, nine, I'm one. So I guess 13 employees, right? And then nine people who work at the actual plant, the factory. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like I just peace out and be like, all right, you guys, you got this right. And I'm going to go kick my feet up. It's not that at all. By the way, I'm in tune to production every single day. I mean, yeah. I talk to my production director probably seven times a day, right? Just where are we at? How's it going? What do you need help with? What's broken? <laughs> you know, it's always something. I'm sure broken. nothing. Yeah. It's always something broken. Um, but with second stage entrepreneurship, as I explained, people and processes, but then also get the hell out of your own way Yeah. because there's like four buckets uh, that as you grow your business, there is the stuff you love doing and you're good at. And that's the stuff you should keep doing because that's why you're here. You're here because you're good at that, right? There's the stuff you love doing, but you're not good at. That's the stuff you need to get the hell out of the way because yeah. you're doing more damage than good. And you and no business owner is good at every aspect of business. You got to know what is that. The stuff you're not good at and you hate, that's easy. Hire that. Get that out of off your plate. And then the stuff that you're not good at but you like. Wait, did I already do that one? Yeah, but it's, <laughs> but it, it's, like, but, but those not. are, oh, the stuff you like, but you're not good at. That's what yeah. I meant to say. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. Half a beer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's still an eight um, percenter. But the stuff that you like, but you're not good at is stuff that you have to keep on your plate as long as you can, because resources are not plentiful. You can only hire what you can hire and you got to put a lot of, of eggs in the basket of the stuff that you're not good at. Well, and your resource is non-infinite as well. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to reconcile with you know, after how much you put into it, that you are a resource that is not infinite and you can't do everything, even though you may have done everything you can't. Yeah. And like there's breaking points for all that stuff. And that's kind of where I wanted to pivot to is like, so we're, we've got all the stuff going on. And at this point, like, you know, big news in the last year, you were competing in, yeah. uh, in competing in grow New York, which, you know, I've attended, I've uh, done a little display at one before we weren't in the competition, but we did a little display and we had a little booth and we did some of that stuff. And it's a really interesting organization and you competed and got second prize, which this isn't like a runner up. Uh, you get a door prize. This is a significant both effort personally and professionally. And having gotten to that, 
award, one, congratulations. Thank you. I know how much work goes into that because of when you see the people that do those things well, none of that comes easy. All of no. that is work. It, All of that. And it's stuff that takes you way out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will argue actually the, the, the sort of the, the, the ending where yeah. I'm on stage and presenting was my comfort zone, which gave me an advantage. Absolutely. But how many of the people there was that their comfort zone? Yeah. One out of all of them. Yeah. Or maybe like five, because some people are just born to be on stage yeah. salesmen totally. or salespeople. But everybody's outside of their comfort zone in some part of that process. You might stop me and tell me that I've told this already because you, you, Oh, you have told listened. it already. It doesn't matter what it well, is. You've told it. already. Have I told it? I'm sorry. <laughs> it, the part about like ripping up the speech and like yeah. that I've no, talked but, about. No, but okay. so, do it quick. Do the, yeah, the bullet so points. Originally, basically I started to write that speech and it was like a Ted talk and it was like, I was trying, you know, I'm not, very eloquent. I don't have a very good vocabulary. I'm just not all that smart, to be honest with you. Um, and I uh, and I and I know that, and I'm pretty aware of it. And I had started to write a speech that was try that was trying too hard to sound smart. Yeah. And I ended up trashing that. And uh, my wife called me home one day, and I just opened up a laptop and I started to write the speech just in my own language, the way I would talk. And I broke a handful of rules that the speech coaches told you don't do. Uh, like for example. Uh, they say, you've got this giant display behind you with your PowerPoint on it, your deck. And they say, don't direct attention to the deck. They yeah. know they're supposed to look at the deck. Don't say, hey, look at that. Yeah. And like right in the middle of my speech, I just go, I go, look at that. <laughs> Isn't that a thing? <laughs> look at that. Look at that slide. <laughs> wow. Oh, look, look at that over there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what it was, though? It was authentic, which is just so important. Always being authentic. And so there was a lot of people who gave speeches. I would watch their speech, and they were trying really hard to be enthusiastic. Here and today. it was tight. Okay. And this. And yeah. there's, there, there's something about when you when you listen to something, and you know we're talking, this goes back to radio or professional things. Sometimes when it's so produced, yeah. and it's not perfect, it's just like, ooh, boy, that's cringy. And it's yeah. awful to listen to. When it's perfect, it's amazing. Yes. But all the things that are in between, you're like, oh, God, no. I'm not sure I can listen to this. And people get all up in arms about saying, um, or or just tripping over a word. And yeah. like, nobody cares if you stutter for a split second. Nobody, nobody notices. Cares. Nobody even notices. Exactly. Yeah. So it just kind of got over all that and, and ended up doing. So it was a great award. It was, you know, we ended up winning $500,000 Which in is grant money. a huge thing. A huge I mean, for, for a small business. Um, huge deal. And again. We're talking small businesses in the scale of, hey, there's there's people working there full time, and this is a big jump. This isn't a sole, you know, yeah. sole entrepreneur effort. Now you're a full business. Yeah. But that influx of that influx of this and the you know the mentorship and the other thing that's available to you, that's a big step. And now you're making these big steps, and you're like, oh, what's the next thing? Yeah. What's the next thing? And then also, and I think it's what you want to get around to is, yeah. Then all of a sudden. I start looking around and realizing, and I've had a couple things that happen. I'll give you specific examples if you want. Yeah. Where you start realizing you're not the startup anymore and nobody thinks of you as a startup anymore. Well, and that was, so, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I listened to all the episodes, but I don't text all the time. Yeah. But when you went into that story where you're talking about where somebody had basically told you like, Hey, you're not, you're too big for what we do. You're yeah. too, you don't, you're not a good fit for what we do anymore. And like you've been in the trenches for so long yeah, that yeah. changing your mentality from being the grind to being successful, yeah. regardless of what that means to you and your day to day, they don't know. No, they don't so, know the details, but they, they believe the success. Yeah. And that's what they real. That's what they know about you. They don't believe it. They know that you're successful. 
Uh, yeah. yeah it, it doesn't matter if it's true. Right, right. But they, they just, believe they know, yeah. it truly yeah. and deeply that you are. And now you have expectations that people think this of you, even though you're still in the trenches in your mind. I feel like I'm in the trenches. Abs- I, you put that perfectly exactly right now. There's this little grocery store in the um, right, actually near here, right? The yeah. Wooten Village called Provisions. And you've had them on. And they seem like great people. And I wish them all, all the best. Yeah, and a, nice, and a nice little store. I've been a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting episode. Go listen to that. Uh, some great bread and some other stuff going on there. I can get some vegan cheese there. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> really good stuff. Anyways, well, I, I applied to be in their store and I got, I got turned down Yeah, and I ended up getting on the phone with, uh, with one of the guys, Chad, I think the maple or yeah, Flint. Yeah. Yeah. Chad Flint. Flint yeah. Yeah. Chad Flint maple. He's a, he's a maple syrup guy. Yeah. I think. And, um, and he was very, very nice, very nice. But he basically said, oh, well, we're like a group of people who have really been like working the farmer's markets for the last few years and getting to know each other. And like, so this is a chance for us to all have the opportunity. And meanwhile, to me, I'm going, it was yesterday that I was going to all these <laughs> farmer's markets. But to him, he hasn't seen me there in years. Yeah. So he's going, he doesn't think that I'm that guy because he hasn't seen me there. So I get it. I don't disagree with him at all. But that's the other thing is like, you know, and I'm, so I'm going to say this with the most love I can possibly say. Yo, be honest with me. The, the fact that you still, after all these years, that you still have people that you're hiring to go run booths at festivals. Doing one right now. After, yeah, and that's, yeah. After all this time that you're still sending people out to do festivals, like very few people would do that. And to be honest, I'm not sure if it's smart or not. I think it is. But I'm not sure because it's you're you're still sending people out to those, and I think that's part of the mentality is like you're still you still feel that, like hey I'm still a grind I still more people need to know about this yeah and you're out there doing the work which one, I, I'm intimidated by because that's the stuff I struggle with all the time, and when I see the amount of work that you're still putting into getting the work out and bringing people out just to you know, you might sell a case right. at a festival. Sometimes but, we do. <laughs> but you were there. Yeah. But you were there the whole time and everybody saw you and they, even if they don't remember that day, when they walk in the store, they might see, oh yeah, Google Amos. Well, yeah, I, let's buy that. I, I wish I could say that it was like, this brilliant by design. It's fear-based. It's yeah. all fear-based. It's all me going, if I keep, if I take my foot off the gas pedal for a split second, somebody will pass me up. Yeah. That's where that comes from. So it's, it's not good. <laughs> It's no, and that's it. I think that's the part that w- it really struck me is you know we were, we were talking you know you, I had texted you because that that really did hit me, mm-hmm. and you know it's not to say you're on the same scale, but you know who definitely doesn't do that is like Rayos doesn't show up at any farmers markets <laughs> right zero right. times right. zero times out of any day of the year do they show up at you know uh you know at the uh, the Cornhill Arts Festival right they're not there. <laughs> No, no way. They're they're not at they're not at Smorgasburg. They don't give a shit about that. Yeah. They don't yeah. care. Yeah. And you know, I know you're not at that scale. Right. And it's not yeah. we're not comparing the two, but when all the people are perceiving you as a huge success. And yeah, I mean you just won an amazing award. Yeah. Well, it's a real award. It's shining in my it's shining in my window and yeah. everybody's looking at the leg. Yeah. You want a big reward. Yeah. Yeah. And now everybody perceives you that way and you're still sending people to the arts festivals whenever they happen, wherever they are to try and get the word out. And 
how do you balance that in your head? It's hard. We're, we're you know, the conversations have already started about is this our last year doing arts festivals? Because yeah. the economics on it are tough. When you look and you go, well, what did we make? You know, what did we actually get out of that? And and if you just look at the money, it's kind of not worth it. You how know? much stress? Yeah, I mean, when you actually just take the actual net profit, yeah. you know, um, it, you know, it maybe you made a few hundred bucks. Yeah, right. Um, that's tough because then when you look at well, what does it take to just make? One kettle, what what do we make off just one kettle of sauce? Right. And you start to go, oh. Could that person have been running a kettle instead? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Like, this, right. is, this was a bad business decision. But what you can't put a dollar amount on is, what did you gain in terms of uh, of marketing? What what Did somebody yeah. see your brand and fall in love with it at that farmer's market? Am I getting paid to market it today? Uh, y- yeah. Did somebody just come up to our booth? So as we record this today, Webster Waterfront Festival's happening as we speak. Did somebody walk up to our booth today try a sample and decide it's the best sauce they've ever had now you have a fan for life right well Even the, fact, they, the fact that this the fact that you're talking about that is the webster waterfront festival yeah i've lived in rochester for coming on 18 years i've never heard oh, of yeah. the webster waterfront festival <laughs> yeah, yeah. the fact you have somebody there now that yeah. says where you're going yeah. still yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. So uh, here's a, here, I'll give you a farmer's market story. And this is where I need you to be so honest with Oh, I'm, I'm here for you. I feel like you're going to grill. If, if I deserve to be roasted over this, roast me. Well, uh, to, that's the thing. Like, you know, after all this time, like when we text each other, we're not just blowing smoke at each other. We're, we actually have, yeah. even though they're sometimes fast, we'll have an actual conversation because like, like we actually listen to each other yeah. and really listen and I, I really love that, that we can still do that after all this time, that we're still both loving this thing that we both do. Yes. And we actually care about it enough to listen to each other. Yeah. And like, I really pay attention because I love, I love that. So go ahead. Yeah, tell and, me, tell and, me the thing. And, and I don't think you'll pander to me, like, like with the chicken cutlet, maybe What's you did a little bit, but, <laughs> but with the, like, so I'm going to tell you a story right now about the Brighton farmer's market, which side note. I've been going to for a very long time. Great farmers. Market. Going a long time. You are a Brighton resident. I'm sure you've been going for a I, very long time. I live close enough to that market. I live in 12 Corners. I yeah. live close enough to that market that if I drove to it, it would be embarrassing. I've seen your child in a wagon <laughs> yes. at the festival. Yes. I, I live very close. Yes. Very, very close. Um, yeah. Like I said, if I drove, it would be like embarrassing that I even drove. I, but um, you have. I, I I think we've only driven if we're... If, <laughs> If if I know that I'm going to buy enough stuff that I can't walk it home, because a lot of times I'm just coming back with one or two bags, yeah. but there's been a couple of times we've gone to buy flowers and plants and yeah, stuff, yeah. and then we're like, okay, we need the car. <laughs> Actually, it's so funny because today I drove like three blocks today. For, for My son was in a bicycle parade in our yeah. neighborhood, and I drove to it, and it I was three that. blocks away. <laughs> and I go, it's hot out. It's hot. I've been gardening all day. Like, I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I'm driving. <laughs> Uh, All right, so I talked about I've done farmer's markets and festivals forever. Yeah. Guess where I've never once been? Brighton Brighton Farmer's Farmer's Market. Market. Because I can't get in. Yeah. I cannot get in. So I applied for the first time in 2019. So pretty recent, actually. 2019, I apply, and we get denied. And we get denied because we're using a co-packer. At that time, I had not been doing my own manufacturing, as we've already told in the story. Yep. And their answer was, no, look, if you're not a hands-on artist then we can't have you. And you know what, Chris? I didn't say a damn peep about it because I agree. That's a rule? Great rule. Great yep. rule, and it should be. They, I did not complain for even a second. They were right. 
2020 comes around. I apply again. Now, remember, applications go in like January. So I know when you hear 2020, you think COVID. But at the time you're actually applying, COVID wasn't a thing yet. COVID kind of became a thing. Like, what was it? Like early March? New, news started to pop out in yeah. January, late January and February. But nobody really knew until mid-March what was going on. Yeah, yeah. So at the time that I'm applying, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's pre-COVID. So I'm applying to the festival and I'm like, I write this nice letter about, I have this amazing news. I actually do own my own manufacturing facility now. And uh, and so that solves that problem. And I'm so excited to apply once again to be part of the Brighton Farmers Market. And about two months go by and I don't hear anything. And finally in March, they send out, and by that time COVID was a thing. Yep. And their answer was, we're sorry due to COVID. We really don't know what this year sta- what's ahead of us this year. And we're not admitting any new vendors. And Chris... I didn't. I didn't complain for a moment. Super reasonable. Totally get it. Yeah. No worries. I get it. We're keeping no it tight. Complaint. Makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Twenty twenty one comes around. Man, oh man! Finally, it's exciting. We're we're, see, we're seeing the calendars flip in the background. By the way, it's like an old school movie. The calendars flipping by. Twenty twenty one comes around, and I'm like, okay, uh, so COVID's still a thing at that point, but oh, it's yeah. a little bit better now. Starting it's to open up. Starting a little. to open up a little bit. Yeah. So I apply again, and um, and I get denied, and I'm kind of like, huh. What did I? And I look back at my application, and I'll be honest with you, I blame myself. I look at my application, I'm like. I kind of half-assed this application. I was just kind of like, my name's Polly. I make sauces, you know, instead of like paragraphs on paragraphs about like, you know, just the, the authenticity and the passion. personal journey. <laughs> I just kind of, yeah, I wrote like three sentences. Learning at my grandfather's knee about, you know, tomatoes. And I'm so upset with myself. I'm like, look, you were lazy with this application. You've wanted in this farmer's market for years. You wrote a lazy application. You got denied. You deserve to be denied. Yeah. Oh, awful. Right. And I'm I blame just, you. Yeah. And I just blame my son. 2021. I'm just like, I can't believe I blew it. Yeah. Like what a, like what a lazy piece of shit I am that yeah. I didn't put together a better application than this. 2022 comes around and there, this is my year, bro. Going for it. Oh, I mean, at this point, like I've got sustainability angle. We're using fresh tomatoes from Intergrow in Ontario and Albion that are like upcycled. They're heading for the dump. I'm Giant like, greenhouse. Right. Like we've incorporated a lot more fresh produce into what we're doing. I've got like more local, all our honeys coming local. You've got limited honey. edition sauces. <laughs> I've got limited edition local collaborations. Gem Mint 10 sauces. <laughs> Gem Mint 10. <laughs> you remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Gem Mint 10. <laughs> Gem Mint 10. Limited edition. <laughs> I love that. Sorry. When I was in high school. This, I, that was just for Polly. <laughs> that was just for him. When I was in high school, we'd prank call people yeah. and say, I got a Gem Mint 10. Yeah. John Elway rookie. Yeah, that, that was for Polly and for Matt Knotts. Shout out to Matt, my co-owner of Lunch Hour Podcast. That was for you and him. Only we're going to care about that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so 2022, I write the kick-ass application. Yeah. Man. Just like really now, there's no stopping You're going me. for it. I'm going for it. And I get denied. And this is the first time where I'm going, huh. So I'm a little pissed. And I kind of, I write back and I'm just, with all due respect, can I just ask why? And her answer, the, the market manager's answer was, the, the board, the farmers have uh, questions about where you get your ingredients. And I'm like, great. Ask me anything you want to Transparent. Ask totally transparent. And, Do, and to be fair, you've always been transparent about that. Absolutely. Regardless of your process. Yeah. It's always, you've always, if somebody asks, you've always been transparent about where your stuff's coming from, yep. what are the logistics, and why. And like, I remember asking early on, you're like, yeah, well, this is where everything's coming from right now. Yeah. We might make changes in the future, but 
you've always been honest about your process. Yeah. 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 Totally. So I'm like, ask me anything, anything you want to know. And, uh, and she doesn't really ask me anything. She just kind of says, you know, the board has made its decision. We apologize. We invite you to, in, to apply next year. And, and now I'm like pissed. So yeah. now I'm like reading, like I read through their entire bylaws. Cause oh, it's now all you're public. reading legalese. Oh, now I'm like, now I'm like, Wait a second, because subsection this, because the other thing is I'm going to the Brighton farmer's market every Sunday because yep. my wife's dragging me there and I'm carrying a wagon with a four year old in it. You You're know? a visible man. <laughs> and I'm spending a hundred dollars every Sunday. When, when have you not been a visible man <laughs> yes. at a market? Like you walk around. Um, uh, yeah, I'm large. <laughs> and, and like people, you know, for, and it, I don't say this like, you know, to be self aggrandizing or anything like, Hey, if we walk around at a market, there's a pretty decent chance that somebody knows you and is yeah. talking to you because hey we're around we're doing our thing we're yeah. we're public people in whatever form or whatever scale <laughs> that one of us is public and the other is as well yeah like you're going around you're getting people are talking to you probably every weekend and every weekend and i would bet one out of every three weekends somebody asks the question of oh i was surprised you're not here Where, yeah. where's your booth you know right. like i'm going well they won't let me in. so finally in 2022 i just start telling people i'm like they won't let me in <laughs> <laughs> you know up until then i had always been like oh hopefully one day but yeah. finally in 2022 i'm like they just won't let me in so in 2022 i also go into detective mode where i start walking up to every booth and i'm just asking questions oh where do yeah you, where do you get this where do you get that because like like the farmers don't know where I'm getting my ingredients. Okay, all right. Like they're just let's just say you know I've seen faces at Restaurant Depot before. <laughs> yeah, and it, so yeah, when it comes to that, it's like, hey, everybody needs to keep their business going. Everybody needs to do their thing, and I there is there's a factual statement to be made that not 100% of all ingredients made for goods at the market are New York state products. No, there is, that is a factual statement. I, I don't hold that against any of the vendors, right. by the no, way. I, I don't, don't either. And no. I'm not saying that for any negativity, but it's a, as a factual statement, you know, whether it's prepared or otherwise, you know, there's plenty of things that are, you know, prepared foods, whether it be in the trucks or in other stands, that's not a local sourced. And that, that is a factual thing. The farm stands. Absolutely. Yeah. Give that a hundred percent. And I know those places and I know they're legitimate and not to say that the others are illegitimate, but they're not reselling produce. No, no. Um, And that's like, Hey, it's, but that's a factual statement that not everything there is local source. They're not buying local flour for things. No, no, that's not fair to say. It's funny. You're going to flour because flour was kind of uh, once again, the straw that broke the camel's back where I said, okay, that's it. I'm saying something because uh, this is, this doesn't have to do with um, any particular vendor. And I'm not going to name any vendors because that's not what this is about. No. And uh, same thing. Like I don't, like the fact that if somebody's not using New York State grown flour for their goods, I don't even think that's particularly a negative. It would be great, but that's not, that shouldn't be the barrier for entry. Yes. So I'm in line at a very popular vendor and uh, the vendor sells a thing and, and the thing that they sell, and I'm going to write it for you. Cause I, again, I said, like I said, I will not, yep. I, I refuse to say this out loud, but I just want you to kind of get the context of what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, that last line there I just wrote. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So they sell a thing where there's one, you know, principal ingredient yep. in the thing that they sell. And, um, and the woman in front of me asks, yeah, where does it come from? And the guy working says it all comes from, and he names a city that is in a different country. Yeah. It is in a different country. Right. And, and, and for, for the specific good you're talking about, yeah. I a hundred percent know what you're talking yeah. about for yeah. the specific good. 
And, you know, a lot of the sourcing is actually from New York State, but for the specific good you're talking about, absolutely believe that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you off the air, the spe- you know, how that conversation was yeah. specifically, but uh, so I'm trying to keep it as vague yeah, as yeah. I can, because again, it's not about the vendor, no, right? No, no, it's no. not about the vendor. It's just about, this is more about the market and their kind of double standard where they're just kind of, in my opinion, they're just kind of playing favorites. Yeah. Who do they like and who don't they like? And so anyway, um, that was the kind of, and I tell, and my wife, and my wife said something that's unbelievable. My wife said, Polly. On our way home one day, said, Polly, you're right. Now, if you've ever met any wife, <laughs> have you ever met any wife before? Anyone's wife ever, period, in the history of the world? They don't say that. <laughs> wives don't. As, as a complete statement. Yes. Wives, wives don't often say to husbands, you're right. Complete it statement. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I go, but you know what? And she says, it is, you know, like, because she's like experiencing this with me and I'm just dreadful to be around. Yeah. Like I'm just, every time I go to the market, I'm just like, look at that one. And look at that. And I, that's not that. And this is that. And I saw them at Restaurant Depot and that, that, you know, and she's just like, you know what? You're, you're right. You should say something. So I asked, can I speak to the board? And of course I find out the board. Oh, we, the board doesn't have any meetings scheduled. Mm-hmm. So I read through their bylaws and it says, you can talk to the Brighton town supervisor. Yeah. So I go and I talk to the Brighton town supervisor and he just kind of like tells me, yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll be in touch. I never hear from him again. Yeah. 2022 ends. We're into 2023. So earlier this year, I do it again. I apply at this point. I'm very much so anticipating being denied. And of course I am denied. And when I'm denied, I don't even go through why. I literally just say, do you have any board meetings scheduled? I'd love to come address the board. I am a Brighton taxpayer. I feel like I probably have that right. And I'm told there are no board meetings scheduled at this time. Right. Two months before the, the farmer's market starts, there's no board meetings. Certainly not meetings. No, no, we're not. We're not talking about this at all. Sorry. Yeah. So I just, I write the Brighton town supervisor again. And I'm like, look, I'd like, you know, I'd like to, that last time was kind of off the cuff. It was just kind of let's chat. This time I'd like to come in for a formal conversation about what the hell's going on here. Yeah. And I go in and I talk to him and he is very kind. Um, but the conversation, which lasts a good hour. So I'm just kind of getting down to the end of it. At the end of it, he kind of says, he says, look, you know, what should we do if Mott's, that was the example he used, if Mott's came to us and said they'd like to sell their applesauce? First of all, let me tell you, my plant and Mott's are not the same plants. <laughs> it's like, it's it's a full, like when I, so I'll use math terms for a second. It's an order of magnitude <laughs> yes. difference. Yes. Like the, the amount of scale that we're talking about is blocks yes right their their point is blocks yes not yes. one blocks <laughs> yeah my 14 employees would probably be like one line for one shift of what they have yeah <laughs> like maybe 14 people working on one line um anyway uh my answer to him for that though i did say if somebody with the last name mott actually came to you and applied to sell applesauce at this market i think that would be awesome and i think you should let them in but they they'd have to be an actual <laughs> mott uh my, my i'm actually googlyamo <laughs> Right. I would like to sell my sauce. Like, you can't even spell it. I can spell it because I, this is my name. So the next thing he, he says, he, you know, and, the, and I was not afraid to disagree with him because I was ready for all this because this has been going through my head for a couple of years at this point. So like, there was none he could throw at me I wasn't ready for. And he says, um, he says well, you're in, you, you know, you, you've, you have a, an amount of success that is like more than all of these other vendors combined. And I go, no. I go, poutine marty's like they are extremely successful probably in the same range no that there's no way that i am far and away and and his answer was oh that's different that's prepared foods and farmers vendors are different and i said well you got to put that in your bylaws you can't like it can't just be something you keep in your head you just have to actually write that out because i didn't know that 
as somebody who applies. There's no two different applications. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, the other thing that he says is, uh, oh, uh, he, 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 what did I say? I said something about coffee. Coffee came up, and it was like, well, you know, we certainly understand that not all vendors can source everything locally. Look at coffee, for example. Obviously, coffee can't be sourced locally, but they do roast it locally. And I'm yep. going, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. Exactly. When we bring in tomatoes from California, it's the exact same thing as right. bringing in coffee beans from somewhere else. and. And roasting them here, it's there's no difference in that. Right, it's not like you're not going to have sauce on the shelves for nine or ten or eleven months a year. Yeah, like you can't not have sauce on the shelves for ten months a year because of the two months you can get tomatoes locally. So he says, uh, he says, well, but I mean, are you going to try to make the argument that we shouldn't have coffee at our market? I go, absolutely not. Of course you should have coffee at your market. And he says, see, I don't know that we can make the same argument about sauce. But I go, but you have pasta (laughs) yeah what what are we doing what is happening so i I know i'm probably sounding such a whiny little bitch right now well (laughs) it's 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 a bit of a tough situation because this this was you know one of the times where i remember after we got into that you know that same conversation because i remember texting you after that Mm -hmm. and that was that dissonance where i'm like yeah it's like you're still you're still in that mindset of i am small and yeah you're probably right when it comes to scale but that appearance, people know that you're big. People know that you're successful. And it just, I don't know, for some reason, it feels different to people yeah. because they see you on the shelf. Yeah. Because yeah. you TV. are omnipresent. Yeah. And that, that's something you've put a lot of work into, right? That's not, but I, but that I doesn't got, come free. But I got there from doing farmer's markets <laughs> and festivals, right? And, and so anyway, so the last thing that he said, he says, he goes, look, man, he goes, you're in supermarkets. What do you need with our little farmer's market? But back to what we said earlier, yeah. the, the farmer's market isn't necessarily about selling sauce or making money. It's about building a brand. Yeah. And we have a brand coming out later this year that I really would like to be able to take to a place like the Brighton Farmer's Market next year at Plus, Google almost always needs help. It always needs more marketing. So I just I I think I don't remember what I I didn't have a good answer for that. I think I said okay. Well, if I you know if I see any of the any of your vendors in supermarkets, I'm going to expect you to immediately drop the vendor. I guess <laughs> like I don't what you know. And he said yeah. The other thing he said to me he goes, "Are you telling me you're really going to come here and work your booth every week?" And I think I said, I go, "I'll be here exactly as often as Marty's on that truck, and exactly <laughs> as often as uh, Mike Calabrese is on under the shout, the shout out, bu- shout out to Marty. <laughs> yeah, I, we haven't chatted in a while, but shout I out to Marty. Marty. I love Marty, and if it, and he'd be a little pissed at me saying that, but we'd be fine. <laughs> we'd still be buddies. Yeah, and honestly, uh, Mike Calabrese is a great guy too, who I'm a big fan of, and he's there but often I, enough, but he's not behind the booth. He's not back there pushing the coffee no. into the cops, you know. So, uh, it, you know, and then and, and honestly, the Brighton Town Supervisor just kind of went, yeah, so, <laughs> sorry. like, yeah. And I just didn't feel like there was a single, like, reason he could give me that was really good. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. So, I'm here to take my spanking from you. So, How bad was I just for the last 10 minutes? How many people did I lose just now? So, I think I think through the conversation, right, we, we went through the journey, and I wasn't agreeing just to move the conversation along. Like, your your logic all the way through makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right? And I remember in some of the episodes of the podcast where you're, you're saying, like, oh, <laughs> like, my wife's telling me not to do this anymore. <laughs> and, like, I know because, because of the grind that it's hard to give it up. Yeah. And so... Very, very, very small analogy. 
So this morning, um, so one of the one of the shows that records on the studio is the Level Up podcast, hosted by Wade Reed from Aporia Coffee. And last time he dropped me off a bag of coffee, and I was going to make a coffee liqueur. I was going to make three different versions and have it ready to taste test on the episode. And I was doing searches this morning, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like grumbling and just. MFing every single recipe. I'm like, why isn't this in grams? Nobody wants to make something that's good. What's going on? And my wife's like, I can't listen to you complain about this anymore. And she's like, I'm just going to go play, play this. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I just need to do something myself. I need to figure it out. And I need to stop being that because yeah. I, it's exhausting to them. It's well, it's, I yeah. think it's exhausting to us too, because yeah. realistically the amount of mental effort and stress that it goes through when we, believe that something's wrong we know that something's wrong right we're talking about what people know right when these things are going on we know something's wrong and what i was intimating before and during our conversation is how do we how do you balance now that everybody knows you're a success how do you change that in your head and where are you at with that now do you believe it yet no I don't think I'll ever get there. I wake up um, many nights. I wake up with something on my mind that makes me think that, Oh my God, this is not done yet. I haven't done that yet. That has to get done. And if I don't get that done, it's a disaster. I live in constant fear that we're going to run out of things to make. Our clients are going to leave us. I just never, I, I, I'm just afraid all the time. The, the worst thing about becoming, as you say, successful, it's hard for me to even say that. I know. The hardest thing about being successful is like thinking about it going away Yeah, and it could go away. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever done any piece of media period that was this honest. And I'm actually really worried that I'm going to come off terribly here. Cause I feel like I just whined for the last hour, but I think, but I, what it was real. At least. Right. But what we're coming to is this is like, we're, I, I know I'm working through it all the time Yeah, where, you know, people think that something's successful. And in my head, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm living to get the people that are here. I'm, you know, we're burning it from both ends. We're trying to do the next thing. We're trying to go on. And I agree. Like, I feel that all the time mm-hmm. where it's like, how do I keep on going and do the next thing? How do we get to the next thing? How do we get the next relationship? How do we build this next thing? I, I haven't found the stopping point. No, I, I don't feel any day that we have done a good enough job. No, it's, it's sick. And it's, and it's the thing about, you know, you think about how much money is too much money. Not that, not that either one of us are bathing in money, no. but I think about rich people. I think about billionaires and yeah. I think about how they will be unhappy or depressed. And you'll hear terribly sad stories out of people who have all the money in the world. And, and to a small extent, you experience that with success milestones where you get to a success milestone and, it really is. It's like Miley Cyrus said, Chris, it's all about the climb, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. That, that's the, that's the one I know. <laughs> when you reach the destination, you really spend a second going great. All right. What's the next climb? What's the next destination? And I, that's miserable. It's I miserable. really, I really thought for a second you were going to pivot on me. Wrecking ball. No, I thought for a second you were going to say, it's like Miley Cyrus says <laughs> after all this serious conversation, it's like Miley, Miley Cyrus says, it's a party in the USA. <laughs> I thought you were going to go full, yeah. <laughs> full pivot after the whole conversation, right? We just had a real ass conversation about you know, where we are with, with all the stuff going on. I thought you were going to say party in the USA. I'm like, I thought this is, this is hacky radio. But 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 What is the thing? Yeah. What's the sound effect? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, there I, re- we go. I really thought that's where yeah. you're like, yeah. Oh man, he's going to, he's going to pull it out. Um, 
So I think what I want to do, so we're already over time, but Sorry. I want to finish off real quick mm-hmm. with what's next. So we, we talked about, Hey, you're working through everything and, but you know, the business is running. You've got a lot of interesting clients. What's next? What's the stuff you're working on? I know you're working on a new branding operation. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have a, a very, very big client coming on in August, which is a big deal, which is causing stress. Now we have a new piece of equipment being installed tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, this is an international brand. And again, I'll tell you off, but with that's the awesome. confi- I hate doing this because it's confidentiality. Yeah, and but, I can't say it, but, but congratulations. That's awesome. That's yeah. super exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to tell you. Um, so that's manufacturing wise. That's what's happening. You mentioned grow New York and coming in second place. That was great. But of course, when we had our meeting, what does my miserable ass say to the, to the liaison <laughs> afterwards? Yeah. You already know, right? Yeah. Why didn't we win? Yeah, what was why, the problem? What was why second? And of course, this poor lady's going. You did win. You came in second out of four hundred companies. Yeah, and I'm going. No, no, we came in second. We didn't win. <laughs> we didn't win. What? This is your Ricky Bobby moment. Yeah, what stopped us from being first? Yeah. And uh, and she said. Um, we didn't own enough of our own intellectual property. Yeah. That was her thing. So this year we have been doing a better job of acquiring brands. So I actually. Um, I use air quotes as I say sold. I sold Googliamos to myself essentially with craft sure. cannery brands so that that intellectual property would now be owned by the company to add value to the company. We also purchased a brand out of Syracuse called Salsacuse, which okay. is just a line of salsas. Cool. Um, we've actually had a couple other brands that we've made offers on that we didn't get, um, yeah. which would have been interesting. Um and then finally, we are going to launch our own brand this fall, pretty soon, actually, probably well, September-ish. That's exciting. Yeah. But a lot of work to, you know, now you're talking about branding. Yes. Because you, you've established your Guglielmo's brand for a long time, and it's yep. an established thing. Now you're able to rethink, yeah. which is exciting and terrifying yeah. <laughs> all at the same time. How do we rethink what what are we doing and how do we sell this new thing? Because it yeah. is a new thing. And a couple of things, too, that have been that were bad about the Google Amos brand, right? It's tied to me. It's got yeah. my name on it. I mean, uh, in, you know, it was really my grandpa's name, but it's the same name, right? So it's tied to like a guy. It's got my name on it. Also, it's very regional. It's very local slash regional. Yeah. It's got made in Rochester right on it. It's all about Rochester. I was a radio guy here. I worked my ass off here. You go to Pennsylvania, nobody's ever heard of it. Local right? brand. Local brand. So this one is really has been created with the that mindset of we don't want it to be tied to a person or a place. We want this to be something that can go. And, you know, at this point, with through the manufacturing and through the connections we have, we have the connections that can take something national at this point. We have the infrastructure built to be able to go national yeah we just need something people actually want to be available so we've spent the last uh, uh really the better part of this year i think since january developing and testing products and we've boiled it down to a, a handful of things so one, to speak one of them is a pie yeah, one of them is a pasta oh. sauce uh, it's kind of funny yeah and uh you know i can i tell you one little trick on the pasta yeah. sauce that was interesting so with the pasta sauce i really wanted to, to have that it's just been slow cooking all day oh yeah taste and I kept on trying to figure out how do you get the flavor of like that there's been like sausage and meatballs and like short ribs just sitting in that pot all day. How yeah, do you yeah. get that flavor in uh-huh. there? And um, as I know you're a food nerd, so you're going to like this. So like, what it ended up happening was I tried um, I tried actually putting a little bit of ground beef or ground sausage in there. And it gives texture, but it doesn't really give the full quite flavor unless you use a ton of it. And then it becomes yeah. bolognese sauce. Um, I also tried uh, base, like like um, like beef base or chicken uh-huh. base or something like that. Yeah. But it's just full of ugly ingredient statements. Yeah. You know, it's got preservatives and fake coloring and just stuff you don't want on your label. So, and it's also very salty. Mm-hmm. So finally, I just found a, a place, a farm in Georgia that just does fat. Just chicken fat and 
beef fat and pork yeah. fat. Oh, yeah. And so like I guess my, every time I talk about this, and I've never talked about this publicly, but every time I talk about this, my wife always goes, that doesn't sound good. Well, <laughs> like I mean, you're, you're, it you're, brings a lot of flavor to the sauce. Well, you're trying to add it in, right? And if you're like, if you're, if you're eating meat and you're eating like a ribeye versus, you know, versus a, uh, versus a filet, yeah. right? Ribeye's got a hell of a lot more flavor. You know why? <laughs> yeah. It's got a hell of a lot more fat. Yeah. So so we liquefy the fat, the chicken, beef, and pork fat, and put it into that sauce. Just a little bit. It's not yeah. like it's not like there's a ton of sauce. There's no more fat in that than there would be if you ate Sunday sauce that's had, you know, all that stuff sitting in it all day anyway. It's just a little bit, but it's enough to give it the flavor, and it really nailed the whole, like, this has been simmering all day thing. Yeah. And I'm just really proud of this. I can't wait for you to try it. Oh, that's super yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... uh. You know, it's one of those things that, like you said, the excitement is the part that I really hope you can latch on to because it's where we've been talking about all the stuff, right? You know, the balance and the journey and the ups and downs. But at this point, when I take a step back and look at it, it's like, wow, you know, you can, you, you'll remember all the downs. You'll remember the broken down lines. You'll remember this. And I'll say like in my day job, like the last job I did as a full project manager, I moved to a different position was really hard. It broke me a couple times. Yeah. I was, I hung out with you one night where you were like on the verge of, of driving off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wasn't doing great. And you know what? Now when I go back and I show people, we have new employees show up and I show them the last thing I did. <laughs> now I can look back and say, Wow you know what? It was a hell of a thing we accomplished. Yeah. It was, I'm really proud of what we did and I'm proud of the work I did to get better and be a better person today than I was then. And I really hope that as you're launching this new thing, you can take a step back and look at, say, Hey, we've gone through a lot, right? All the, yeah. all the stress of, you know, taking your passion and having to not do that and then pivoting into something else that's now become your passion and your everything. Um, and that you're supporting your family through your passion and you've done the work and you can take a step back when the stuff launches yeah. and all that you've put into it. And you yep. can say, wow, we've really accomplished a thing and it doesn't matter yeah. where it goes from there, but we've really done a thing that you can be proud of. And I do, I do that. And I don't want to sound too ungrateful. I walk around, I bet at least once a day at that plant, Yeah, it occurs to me and I look around and I go, look at this. Like, look at this. Right. Who in the hell, with those 15 cases of sauce at the Riesling Festival in 2014, who thought this was going to turn into 48 pallet positions? Yeah. And we're overflowed even at that. 14 employees that just somehow know what to do. Yeah. I can't. You want another exclusive? Ooh. Collaboration with Black Button Vodka Ooh. Sauce. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, coming soon, too. We're, we're starting to host our events over at Black Button uh-huh. uh, start, uh, starting in August, depending on when this comes out. Nice. Um, but once a month over at Blackbond, we're running nominate events. So it's yeah. it's great. And you know, I don't want to be all right, I'm, I'm gonna be genuine and real with all the with the finish, because I was I was thinking about pivoting to comedy, but whatever. <laughs> um is like I said earlier, like we, we spend enough time together where like we're pretty comfortable with each other yeah. and having real conversations. And I think what I want to leave off with before we get to the final plugs is like, I, I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Man. And, and it's, it's really, it's, it's an honest statement is I know what you put into it and I know all that's to come and all the work that's left for you to feel comfortable with that. Yeah. And that's personal work and that's business work and that's everything else. But I'm proud of how much work you've put into it. I'm proud of where you, you are today and how successful you've become through your passion and 
believing in what you do. And it's a, it's a real benefit to Rochester that you are here and doing your thing. Oh, thank you. So I, I, I appreciate it. I really, I did want to say that cause it, it does mean a lot to me that you're yeah. here and you're still doing your thing here in town. Um, so take it from sincerity, put your plugs out there. Where, where can everybody find your stuff beyond like, Hey, where can everybody learn about your brands and everything else that's going on? Yeah. Google Elmo's is in um, a lot of local mom and pops and there's a, a list. Um, uh, I think there was a list on our website. I don't know if there still is, but they, a lot of local mom and pops, a few key ones would be Pittsburgh dairy, Leo's bakery, Redbird market, which leads me to my next plug. Redbird Market is owned by my mother-in-law and my wife, and technically me a little bit, but I'm a silent bank. Re- really cool store in the heart of Pittsford, uh, where you can Fairport. get a- yeah, Fair- Fairport. Yeah. Pittsford, Fairport. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I almost got to the right plug. Um, in the heart of Fairport, um, tons of New York State products, not just stuff from the cannery, but a ton of New York State products. If you want to buy local Redbird's a great place to go do that. Definitely yeah. recommend going and visiting. It, we're doing it the right way too, because I come from that world of walking into stores and pitching yourself. And really Redbird, if you have a local product and you've done it right, you've crossed your T's dotted your eyes and you walk into Redbird, and you're just looking for somebody to give you shelf space. There's like a 99% chance. We'll say yes. Yeah. Uh, there's really kind of a blanket. Yes. We'll give anything a try. Now it's got to sell through. We might not keep it if it doesn't sell through. So you got to service it, come into a demo or something, but you're going to uh, give it a shot, but we're going to give it a shot. And, and there needs, be more stores that do that um of course google Amos also is available in wegmans that's kind of the easiest for everybody um and then beyond that salsa cuse is available in a few places you can try that at redbird market the new brand that comes out i'll be very vocal about that all over social media i'd rather not say the name quite yet but um i will when it comes out super exciting um yeah that'll be great and um that's probably by i would say by halloween at the latest but i'm really hoping for september yeah we'll, when I announce we'll have you on around then and we'll do yeah. we'll do we'll do a catch-up i want to make this more regular I want to do this, you know, quarterly or something. Oh, where, I would love to. Where we can catch up and you can, you know, feel free to use it on your show and do that. Yeah, like we'll I would do love a, to. We'll do a cross thing where we both get a content out oh, of it. Part one, part two. Yeah, part yeah. two. And we'll <laughs> we'll record it here in the Food About Town studio and do all that stuff. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so so that's that. Make sure you go buy your sauce. Um, like you said, it's I, I have it in my cabinet. It's something <laughs> I use on my nights when I don't want to do the work. And it's something that I can stand behind and know that it's a delicious sauce and done the right way. I've uh, been out to the plant, really love what they're doing. Uh, if you want to support everything else I do, go to nominatemeals.com to order a meal for an upcoming event. $40 for a meal for two. You can pick it up at one of our three fabulous locations here in Rochester. Fatty Beer Company, Three Heads, been our home for a long time. And coming up soon, Black Button Distilling. You'll get pairings you, you can buy there that fits your meal. You get to support small minority restaurants around Rochester. And we do it the right way so everybody can win together. Subscribe to the Food About Town podcast. Watch out for Lunchador Podcast Network news coming up soon. And I hope you join us next time for another episode of the Food About Town podcast. Thanks for listening to the Food About Town podcast. If you aren't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Go to your podcast app of choice and make us your favorite podcast by subscribing and leaving a review if you can. Music for the podcast was created by the fabulous Taurus Savant. You can hear more of his work at taurussavant.bandcamp.com and make your presence known by seeing him perform live. Food About Town is a proud member of the Lunchador Podcast Network. Oh no, here comes McKenneth! This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. <laughs>